Season 2, Episode 1 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast. On this episode, we will recap some of the local high school football action from this past Friday night. We will also have interviews with East Central Hornets head football coach Seth Smith and also Jake Wimberly, host of Afternoon Drive on ESPN Radio 105.9 and co-host of Friday Night Under the Lights. Hope you enjoy. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Katie Cake and Company, located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune, Pearl River Community College, Robertson Brothers Used Cars, located on Highway 11 South in Picayune, and Advantage Insurance Company. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Ball, y'all. Clay, we had some exciting games uh, this past Friday night in the local high school football area and I see we got some scores here we were a part of a, of a good game just right over here uh off Memorial Boulevard at Picking Memorial High School well what about that game between Picking and Poppleville yep Picking wins it 28 to 20 Jeff a, a game Picking was leading 20 to 0 at the half and then uh Popperville scores 14 unanswered to get right there and then a special teams play that kind of changed the game not saying that uh, Popperville would have went on to win that game by any stretch, but it certainly changed the game, gave Picune possession with inside the five. Of course, they scored, got a two-touchdown lead. Popperville answered, but uh, Picune with that two-touchdown advantage late in the game, just too much to overcome. They take it 28-20, to 20, a highlight for Picune. Jordan Rain, a tailback that we discussed on the uh, preview episode for Picayune had it for 27 times went over 130 yards so a strong performance by Jordan Rain rushing the football a Popperville standout Ross Barnett a guy that led that team in tackles as a junior last year has started his senior way and and just the way that he ended it he had I believe 16 tackles against the tough Picayune rush offense Yep, and I mean that was a that was a fun game. We thought we was gonna get rained. You know, a lot of rain was coming. Weather held off. It turned out to be a, a pleasant night for football. Kind of hot to start in August, but a uh, great game right over here at uh, Lee Triplett Stadium. Uh, Clay, right up the road, uh, Hancock, a six A powerhouse, and I say that is it's a coast team, six A, and I mean the coast is you know stepping up their game down here with six A football. But Hancock comes calling. On the Pearl River Central Blue Devils, Coach Jacob Owen, first-year head coach. And uh, that was kind of an interesting game just right up there at, uh, at Pearl River Central. Absolutely. Uh, Neil Lawler, a friend of the podcast, has been on twice with us. They get the win, 10-7, to does the Hancock Hawks. Uh, Pearl River Central, as you've described, Jacob's uh, debut, Coach Jacob Owen, they fought like heck from all accounts, man. Led it 7 to nothing going into uh, the locker room and, and couldn't hold that lead, but to have that lead at half and to really scrape, scrap and fight. Uh, I know Coach Owen not into moral victories, but he is into progress, and uh, they made some progress Friday night. A guy in particular that had a big night for uh, the PRC Blue Devils, Kobe Whitehead. He plays both sides of the football. He had 19 carries, 111 yards, and a touchdown, and also played a big part of the defense from the linebacker position. So I'm sure Mr. Whitehead has rested well and will be ready as um, the – He's got a tough task coming uh, back to career as these are some podcast special type ball games as we get into some teams that we've already uh, previewed and covered. But uh, Popperville will make the trip down to Pearl River Central and will be an interesting and an emotional ball game on Friday night. Yeah, it will be. You're going to have friend versus friend. Uh, 
teammate versus teammate, coach versus coach, uh, with uh, Coach Jacob Owen, as we just mentioned, first year head coach at Pro Over Central Blue Devils, but last year was the offensive coordinator under Jay Beach. Uh, replacing Coach Owen this year is uh, Coach Micah Hickman, an offensive coordinator from the North Shore. They brought him up, uh, you know, North Shore area in, in Louisiana. They brought him up to uh, to kind of run that offense for the Popperville Hornets. So that's going to be a very emotional night, not just for the two with the headsets on, but also for the players too, as some of them players is going to look over on that sideline and see Coach uh, Coach Owen in that blue and white. Yep, absolutely. And nobody wants to start the season 0-2. Right. So that's going to be a pivotal ball game uh, for Kyle. Confidence standpoint and everything else as both clubs roll in there looking for a win in week two. And then Picayune will make the trip over to a good D'Iverville uh, team. D'Iverville played well in their first week, uh, winning 42-22 to over Tylertown. So they will be awaiting the Maroon Tide, two 1-0 matchups, and two teams that are going to be pretty familiar with each other because of the Dodd Lee, who's been at Picayune for over 20 years now, and then Coach Collins, uh, now the coach for D'Iverville, Warriors who spent time at Pearl River Central and so those teams will be very familiar with each other and this is a normal pre-region type matchup and you'll know more about which each of these clubs have after that Friday night matchup. Yeah and you will and you and you always see this out of uh, Coach Lee over at Picayune they always schedule uh, like every other coach wants to schedule their teams and then the non-district schedule to see what your team is about and Diaboville a Sitze opponent on the coast is always uh, been a been a tough foe for the Picky Maroon Tide. Yeah, it should be a really good ball game. We referenced Coach Neil Aller earlier. His club will host South Jones on Friday night there in what they call the nest in Hancock. So we look for a good crowd. Hancock and the atmosphere was phenomenal for their home games by all accounts. So you look for that trend to continue as the one and Hawks take on South Jones at home. Yeah, that's a uh, coach. Coach Neil Lawler is going to look at this game film from from this past Friday at Prover Central, and he's going to look at his ball club and assess his ball club and probably give him some challenges this week. Go up there, and for two and a half quarters, they were down seven to nothing uh, to the Prover Central Blue Devils. Pull the win out ten to seven, so you can bet uh, Coach Lawler is going to have him ready for South Jones. Absolutely, that's exactly what we would expect. Another uh, podcast visitor, West Harrison, twenty-two to 21 victory over Bay. Coach Patrick uh, getting the win there for West Harrison and his coaching debut. So happy for uh, Coach Patrick as they pull off the victory in week one over Bay High. And Bay, a tough fault, just one uh, one point loss there as they're looking to bounce back from a tough season last year. So a positive showing there by the Bay High Tigers. Yeah, we had a preview uh, from the Hancock uh, county we talked about the hancock halts but then we talked about hancock county football in itself with st stanislaus and bay high and then west harrison a part of that region five that matches uh that matches up with prc and that matches up with picking in that district coach patrick a new head coach one of them five new head coaches in that district so uh good win right there one point win 22 21 yep and then as you look down the coast biloxi who east central will take on in their first week of action uh this Friday night, Biloxi able to take care of the Rocket Charles from St. Stanislaus, 42-7. to So that's a score of, of interest both on the coast and then to our East Central listeners as we will hear from uh, head coach for East Central, Seth Smith, on this episode. So that's how Biloxi got started. 
Yep, and uh, St. Stanislaus, you know, first-year head coach, been on the staff, but a new head coach coming in there. Biloxi has always been a perennial, sits a powerhouse on the uh, on the coast. They've, the facilities are fine, they're excellent. You can see the things happening down there in Biloxi. Uh, that's where the Mississippi Bowl, as far as the JUCO, uh, the Mississippi Bowl is held down in Biloxi. So, big win right there, 42-7. Yep, and um... – as you look around the coast at some other scores, adventures, Gulfport threw a shutout and beat George County 14-0. St. Martin, who you heard Coach Lawler talk about being in that tough district and all the talent that they have, St. Martin with a 23-0 win over Forest Hill. We've talked about Jeff Davis and what Coach Mancuso has going there for Jeff Davis. They step up two classifications and beat Harrison Central 17 to seven that is just a dominant club and 3a footballer jeff davis and what coach lance mancuso they just continue to roll moss point with a big win over pascagoula 36 to six and then another game that we've previewed uh charlie rogers had some great information just a podcast episode ago on hattiesburg and they certainly showed it uh you're familiar uh with this rivalry jeff if you did pedal radio but hattiesburg wins it 35 to 26 and I believe that was a few years ago that you were able to cover the Petal Panthers in a radio um, role with them and you know about that rivalry that one's one that's played on Saturday night it gets all the attention in the Pine Belt and Hattiesburg is who we thought they were they uh, rolled that quarterback uh, position great production as you heard um, Charlie Rogers talk about Connor played really well 35 to 26 victory over pedal yep and that that is a rival that i've had a, a privilege uh privilege of calling and that is what we kind of they kind of call the pine belt rival up there hattiesburg and pedal and then hattiesburg and oak grove pedal and oak grove the, all three of them schools hattiesburg being the only 5a pedal and oak grove be, both being 6a but i tell you what hattiesburg pulled out that win 35 26 they have another tough game this coming week at hattiesburg laurel the Laurel uh, Golden Tornadoes comes calling on Hattiesburg. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see up there in the Pine Belt as well. Yeah, it should be a really good one. Laurel has certainly been uh, great. And so, as you mentioned, we'll, have to, we'll talk about that one at next week's episode. We'll kind of recap and get some numbers from it. Uh, Plumley up at Oak Grove had another great game at the quarterback position. I think he was like 14 or 17 with some gaudy numbers. Dennis Jackson up at Summerall, they've moved him to the quarterback spot in and out. He was uh, performed very well there. And so that kind of recaps your high school as we got uh, week one of high school football kicked off. Not a lot of other action, of course, going on. College football hasn't started yet. NFL just doing their uh, preseason and deal and so our normal round table is going to be a little abbreviated uh tonight but just because there's not a lot of other action i will sneak in a braves update <laughs> since we it wouldn't are, be a round table if you yeah, didn't yeah exactly and so we'll start in the american leagues for uh for those american league fans although that's not baseball since they use a dh but boston running away with it uh 88 wins and 37 losses. I mean, that's historic what they're on pace to do. Um, the Yankees, poor Yankees, have 78 wins, 46 losses, and they're 10 games back. That's a phenomenal <laughs> record. And then you look up and you're 10 games back in a division. Well, and they were talking about earlier uh, in the year, they were talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox battling for that 
for that AL spot, the the number one seed. But with a record like the Yankees have, you've got that awesome record. You're 10 games back, but you might be playing for that one-game play-in spot, and it's a win or lose. I mean, it's a winner in just that one game with a record like that. Yep, and then you've got uh, the Mariners or Oakland you know, battling kind of to be that wildcard. I don't want to play either one of those in that type setting. So could have a, a hundred and some odd wins and be done after that one-game playoff scenario. I know that would break uh, hearts of some of my loved ones, but that's here nor there. The Braves, We last, last that we talked Braves, they're so young. Will they be able to hang around and do? Well, despite a recent sweep by the Colorado Rockies, my baby Braves, a half game in first place over the Philadelphia Phillies. And it's past mid-August, and here we are still talking Braves baseball. That's good. I love it. Yeah, I didn't think we would be talking Braves baseball, but the smile on your face. And, and you, like you said, it's a young baseball team. Uh, you know, people back, you know, remember the old – uh, Cox days up in, you know, from the Braves and Chipper Jones and David Justice and Sid Bream. I mean, you could mention some old Braves, and I'm showing my age now, watching the Braves do it year after year and not making it to that World Series and then finally winning that winning that game. But the, for this team to be so young, uh, great effort. And I, I, and I know you and Easton sitting over there on the couch are, are Braves fanatics. He's giving a little fist pump over there, so – uh, it's good to see the it's good to see the Braves with these teams that you mentioned uh, back in the it's not really baseball unless some of these teams are back in the playoff hunt uh, the original I say the old names for baseball yep and we'll continue to update uh, our listeners as we're getting back into our roundtable uh, kind of routine if you will our our abbreviated roundtable is we have two dynamite uh, interviews this episode we'll talk to head coach Seth Smith for the East Central Hornets coming off a year where they competed for a state championship, and they're loaded up. They've got a lot of guys coming back from a really talented team from a year ago. So we'll talk to head coach Seth Smith. And then we have a, a, a treat for us, Jake Wimberly, who hosts a show in the Jackson area in the afternoon, the afternoon drive on the ESPN affiliate up out of Jackson. He also uh, co-hosts Friday night under the lights when you call in and are able to give a recap and some scores on high school football. Uh, uh, Jake does a, a great job covering high school, college football, and then he is the voice of the Brandon Bulldogs. So he, he follows Brandon from week to week. We'll get some of that insight. And just really fired up to get going again, Jeff, as we – We've done the previews, and we called those the previews, but this is truly the first episode of Season 2. We've uh, been overwhelmed by the support from listeners and advertisers. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can go to TalkingBall.net. We have a sponsor form there. Fill that out, and uh, we'll take your money. The interviews tonight are brought to you by Advantage Insurance Company. For all your commercial and personal insurance needs, come by Advantage Insurance. They're located at 4201 Suite B, Highway 11 North in Picayune. Or give Shauna Oder a call at 601-749-8790. We're joined now by head coach over for the East Central Hornet, Seth Smith. Seth going into his sixth year as they get underway this Friday night. And Seth, thanks for taking time, man, on game week to join the podcast. Absolutely, Clay. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to talking. 
Seth, you've uh, we you, this has probably been beat down, man. You probably threw talking about as much as y'all have lost from last year's really special team that played for a state championship. But of course, that's what I'll lead off with, man. How do you replace what y'all have lost and uh, Cumbus Brown, the fine safety Seward? I'm sure I'm missing some guys, but just that production and leadership as you roll into this year, how do you replace some of that, bud? Well, you hope you replace it with development. I mean, obviously the kids you just named were extremely talented, you know, but so, you know, anytime you just found your program on talent alone, it's going to be hard to have continued success. So hopefully hopefully, we'll find out this year that it's been founded off a lot of hard work. Um, you know, got a lot of young guys coming up that not many people know about, but they've worked equally as hard as those young men that you've named. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, we've got a kid better than Tony Brown. We have a kid better than Cummins. We don't, but I think we have kids that can do do an excellent job and can continue to help us be successful. Because, you know, the kids you named are Division One football players. You know, I've been doing this 15 years, and I haven't, I haven't coached many of those. So it's, it's it's rare that you get to coach them, but when you do, you know it's special. Well, then you talk about development. Talk about your time there, Seth, as you roll into your sixth season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but your first year there, one and ten, and so development is something that you've hung your hat on and had great success doing. Yeah, you learn quick. You know, if you if you grow up on faith in a little old country church like I did, you find out quick how, how much faith you got when you go one and ten, and and you walk it off, and you feel like people's gonna throw tomatoes at you. So it's a very humbling experience, but it's it's also one to me that that makes it sweeter as you do as you are fortunate to get better and grow. And it also, to me, just exemplifies so much, you know, so many life lessons to these young people that we have coached when you start at the bottom and you, and you continually work. But, yeah, man, shoot, play. I mean, when you start 1-10 and and then you have a year like we had uh, last year, it is a credit to our kids and our coaches because, you know, when, when you start at the bottom and you know you're at the bottom, you've got one or two choices. You can just quit and move on. Or you can work your tail off and try to keep getting better. And, you know, thank God our kids worked their tails off and kept getting better. And, and last year was a result of all that hard work. Yeah, and last year, we'll look forward, I promise you, in just a minute. But last year, a special season, uh, compete for a state title. And when we had a, a piece of that ball game as we were the radio team for Popperville, for the Hornets on the other side, and a bird's eye view of it, Seth, an incredible build-up to the game and then a game that matched the hype. You've been around this for a long time, played a lot of football yourself, and uh, certainly been an assistant coach in some great games and a head coach. Was there a finer game, man, to match the hype? No, honestly, Clay, there's not one. And obviously playing in a state championship is the pinnacle. You know, if you're a high school head coach and – you know, a high school football player, but I'll be honest with you, the atmosphere at South State, no, it was unlike anything that I've ever been a part of. And again, you just thank God because, you know, it, it was a blessing. It was, you know, this, this this phrase gets thrown around a lot, but to me it, it's, it's a prime example of what it was. Was You know, our kids got to reap what they sowed. You know, for years you're putting in the work, you're putting in the work, you're putting in the work. And then you're rewarded because of your work. You're rewarded because of your faith, because of your belief. And then you get an opportunity to play in games like that. You know, a lot of people don't remember, you know, and, and what I'm fixing to tell you again is a credit to our players and our coaches, but 1996, 
was the the only year that this program had ever even won a playoff game. They had one playoff win in the history of the school, and 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 each year we just kept getting better and better. So to do it at a place where you know some people may have said you couldn't do it made it even sweeter. Yeah, and I, I guess, and I may be wrong here, but that win, that 96 win, would have been under the leadership of head coach Dodd Lee at the time, maybe against your alma mater, Pearl River Central. Is that right, Seth, or is that a stretch? Well, well, you're not a stretch. You're close. Dodd, actually, that was Dodd's first year picking with 96. Okay. But Dodd's offensive line coach, Coach McCraney, was the head coach, and they beat Petal, a uh, team led by Tootie Myers. You probably oh, remember that yeah. name. They beat, uh, they beat – beat Petal that year in uh, in the playoffs. That was their, up until these kids, we've been fortunate to coach. That was their, their only playoff win in the history of the school. So it's been a really, really neat process. And, you know, you saw the game at South State. I, you know, the hype, I don't even know if the hype matched the game. Honestly, it was the game was that good. You know, Seth, you, you talked, uh, Clay alluded to it with, with Dodd over at East Central and then coming to Picayune in 96. If you look down through this area right here, Picayune, Poppaville, and Carrier, you, you've got – I'm looking at a list, father-in-law, brother-in-law, brother-in-law, cousins. Talk about what it what it means to stand on the opposite sideline from some of these family members. I know you see them at uh, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, and other family functions, but to actually coach uh, against family members, some, some, uh, some memories and some moments that you can think about. Yeah, well, it, it makes it, I guess, I would use the term uh, extra special just because I have known these people, you know, pretty much all my life. Shoot, uh, Dodd's daughter, Devin, it feels like we were together since we were eight years old. So I've, I've known him <laughs> since, I was a, since I was a little tight. You know, I was a, a youngster. Uh, me and Jay grew up together. Uh, of course, Jacob, you know, I don't even really call him a cousin. He's more of a brother. So it is neat and and. It's kind of rare because you don't see it often to have that many people from one little area, uh, you know, be blessed with opportunities like we've been blessed with and get a chance to coach kids who have allowed us to have a little success. So it, uh, it, it is neat. You know, I'm shooting. I'm we're getting ready to play Popperville, and, and on Thanksgiving Day I'm eating with my brother-in-law, Cruz Russell, who, is, uh, <laughs> who coaches at Popperville. So that, you know, it, mm. It, it's a twist that a lot of people, you know, don't really uh, don't really live. I had to tell my little boys before we got out, whatever Uncle Cruz says, just ignore him and just say yes, sir. That's it. Just ignore him and say yes, sir. That probably didn't have nothing to do with game week, though, did it? <laughs> nah, not a whole lot. That's just <laughs> not a whole lot, yeah. Oh, All right, I'll, I'll ask one more question about the pass, and then I promise we'll move forward. We've yeah. bragged on, on your guy and, and Tony Brown and the way he played that night, man. He was phenomenal. But I want to hear your perspective on Bolton from the other side. Um, what I mean, every time he touched it, Brown was certainly special that night. But Bolton in the, uh, in the green and gold kind of described the night that he had, which I know that you were witness to a very tough defense led by a linebacker that you have coming back this year. But – Talk about the night Austin had against y'all, Seth. Man, I mean, you you saw it. Uh, shoot, I'll be honest with you, Clay. Early on, I'm pumping my fist. Think, you know, we fixed to beat the pudding out of them. It looked mm-hmm. good. It was 28 to seven. I thought we were bottling them. You know, him up pretty good. And then, man, it was just after that, it was on like Donkey Kong. They uh, they found a couple holes, and, and that young man, 
you know, obviously I'm going to be biased to Tony, but if, if, if there's ever a kid that I've seen that was, you know, close or equal to him, it, it would be Bolton. I mean, just, you know, and the other thing with me is he looked like he's, I don't know how heavy he was, but he looked about 190, 195, which to me only added to it. He's a strong runner. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, to me, and listen, Popperville is going to be really good this year, really, really good. But, you know, I'll reference the game Friday. You go back a year ago when Popperville played PQ, and there was one kid on that field that mm-hmm. nobody could catch. Yeah. And, and he's not there. And, and kind of the same with us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and, Baker uh, just, and I talked just, about it. You know Jason Baker. You've got a relationship with him. Sideline um, extraordinaire for our radio crew. We talked about it. We never rolled into a place and looked in- – until and maybe even after with Brown, we always felt we had the best of the 22 that were going to be on the field each and every uh, Friday yeah. night. And so that takes a lot to replace, and that will lead us in uh, to talking about y'all's club this year. Seth. What what will y'all look like, man, uh, more of the same? And I know it may be more committee, uh, back by committee, but when I look back through your numbers since that 1-10 campaign, You've had some backs put up some pretty good numbers before Brown even got on the scene. Yeah, we have uh, our second year, which was our first year to make the playoffs in, in 2014. Uh, Nate Cohen, I think, was a 2,800-yard rusher, which is incredible. Mm. Then uh, A.J. Davis followed that up and actually beat that. And then, of course, Tony came in and did what he did. So we have been blessed with some good ones, uh, some really good ones now, you know, Tony, again, I would be ignorant to sit here and say that we have a kid coming back that could be better than Tony. That would be silly. Uh, but I think we've got some young men who will run extremely hard and can help us win games like Tony helps us win games. They won't be Tony Brown, and we're not going to ask them to be Tony Brown. But they'll be, you know, tough, hard-nosed guys who are going to run hard and, and will have their own success. And in return, hopefully their their individual success can lead to us having team success. But it'll be more more of a committee type deal this year with Cameron Gray and Dylan Grinsteiner and and hopefully we'll find ways to use our quarterback some we'll see we're joined tonight on the podcast with Seth Smith head coach of the East Central Hornets and Seth you your 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 ball club didn't play this Friday Friday night how I know every coach is out there ready to uh, see them hit somebody else instead of hit each other they're ready for game week Talk a little bit about how, how ready this club is playing as y'all are getting ready to, I think, to go at Biloxi this Friday night. That's a great question because uh, I think over the past week, my wife has heard me complain about not playing. It's our head coach's fault for doing it, a poor job of scheduling. <laughs> but, uh, you know, last year, obviously, we had the same schedule. You just flip home and away. It, it didn't seem as antsy for whatever reason. But this year, it seems like we've been practicing for a year get ready for this game so yeah i mean really just because you really don't know what you have until you play you know so we're, we're going to talk and 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 i'm going to be positive and optimistic because i do feel like we've got a chance to be successful but at the end of the day we'll know a whole lot more about who we are after friday night so some of these questions i'll answer and i'll look back monday and be like well shoot i probably should have said this and this but you don't know those things until you play so yeah there's a tremendous amount of build-up Especially after going and watching you know, a great game like Picayune and, 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 and Popperville last Friday, it really makes you even that more antsy to get out on the field and, and, and get it kicked off. 
I'd be silly, Seth, since you volunteered that you were there and saw the game. What did you think of the game Friday night? Great game. Uh, you know, I felt like uh, Coach Lee and them would have another pick which is unbelievable. You know, when you really think about that many years, they just win and win and win. But, you know, so knew, knew they would be good. Felt like Coach Beach and them. Returning a lot of guys, you know, they're not returning Bolton. I know that. Uh, you know, the good corner, he's gone. But they've got enough key parts back to me, and not because I'm talking to you guys and you cover them, but I would tell anybody they're still the favorite in the South. I mean, they're, they're the team. In order for us to be successful and hopefully make it to Hattiesburg, you know, we know that, that it would go through Popperville. Oh, it was a great game. It was really kind of really what I expect. You know, if you take some turnovers away, the game could have went either way, honestly. Yeah, it was a, a good football game for sure, Seth, and we appreciate you joining us. As Jeff has stated, your game week. And uh, Biloxi on that same Friday night put on quite a show. They looked to uh, be improved, and they weren't bad last year, but looked to be even better. Uh, your opening week opponent. What have you seen on film from them so far, Seth? Well, the little bit we have, now we don't have a lot because we didn't play, so we weren't able to swap the film. Oh, you know, uh, a full game film, but we got to see a little bit. Of course, got to uh, have some coaches got to watch them on the half. I would say comparable to last year. Last year, honestly, play they were probably the best defense we played, and a lot of those guys are back. So defensively, we know they're going to be good, and then offensively, they got a ton of skill. So it's going to be a challenge. You know, people ask me, why in the world do you schedule these six days and things like Jefferson Davis? Well, I give uh, Coach Beach a little credit for that. You know. When you see people have success or maybe state championship, you try to mirror some of their things. And and I felt like if we loaded up a heavy non-district, it would hopefully allow us by the time we get to district to uh, you know show up any holes we may have either in our offense or defense and, and be ready hopefully to make a run. Absolutely. And you've described the long success that Coach Lee's had at Picayune. That's something he's notorious for doing is scheduling a tough non-region schedule, usually whipping most of them and knowing what he's got going into to region play. One thing we know that you've got, because we were able to see it bird's eye view, I guess I watched probably every snap y'all took uh, on film preparing for that uh, broadcast, and a guy that just continuously jumped out was your linebacker, Avery White, that's coming back. Um, talk about himself and the way that he plays that position and the tackles that he piled up last year and what you expect out of him this season? I'm going to tell you, Clay, and again, in my 15 years, been blessed to coach some good ones. But his measurables, so I'll just kind of spit his measurables out, and then that'll kind of lead into how he, to me, why he has so much success. All right, so he's 6'4", 190, so he's tall and he's lean. He's not He's not very big. He's thin. All right, he ran a four five three at every mm. camp he went to, Auburn State. Uh, South Alabama, 11-foot broad jump, 37-inch vertical, 37-inch vertical. So this kid is extremely explosive. <laughs> so you have all this, all these physical tools, okay? And then you have just a God-given ability to have a back for the football. So you put all that together and, and you know, he, he, can, <laughs> he can make a coach look decent. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. he, uh, you get to coach enough of him, then, then you – you feel like you got a chance to run a few games. Yeah, and incredible y'all have him coming back. And then safety, I believe he was 26 to Seward. Am I saying that right, Seth? Well, yeah, I wish he was back. He's yeah. gone. 
Yeah. Just well, that's yeah. y'all's defensive back. Like, those two, man, I don't know how another kid made a tackle last year between those two. They didn't make many, honestly. They didn't make many. You know, so defensively, we returned eight guys. All right? We returned eight, got to replace Seward, a defensive end, and an outside backer. So we got to replace three. So we're excited that we're bringing back so many. But at the same time, you know, Seward, uh, that kid, you know, kind of like a Tony. You, you may not replace him with a kid exactly like him, but hopefully you got one or two guys that can come in and do a good job. Your kicker, Seth, I know he's coming back, but more – I mean, he's an excellent, excellent kicker. Maybe one of the deciding factors in that game from last year is the difference that he makes kicking the ball. But he can do more than just kick. Am I correct on that? Yeah, he plays outside back. As a matter of fact, the uh, – I want to say the, the, the sack fumble, he was the kid mm-hmm. that caused the sack fumble there to start the game in the South State. Yeah. Yep. But he had uh, – he had 72 touchbacks last year, which was incredible. Yeah, he played a large part of y'all winning that ball game. Yeah, you he, know, you look at all really, the spectacular plays and then a, a guy like that, but he was solid, solid against Popperville. Really good, yeah, really good. Coach, man, we wish you the best, as always. You're such a fun guy to be around. Uh, I think that's got a lot to do with your success, man. When I I, I watch uh, your post-game stuff, uh, Lord knows Patrick McGee can find you over there, but and whoever else. But it, Man, it's fun. Patrick, to... We like to talk ball, y'all. That's right. That's right. But look. Yeah. It's so infectious, man, and I knew it would be that way. I've uh, been a friend of yours and seen you uh, coach, of course, at Career and at Picune, and kind of knew this was coming. Didn't know how uh, quick it would come or to what level, but we're certainly proud of what, what you've done over there. And uh, continue, man. We appreciate you taking time with Jeff and I tonight. Well, thank you very much for the kind words, and, and thank you guys for having me. And I, too, Charles, want to thank you all for what you do, you know. Guys like y'all promoting the game, help it grow and make it fun for everybody. So thank you all. Thank you, Seth. Have a good one, brother. All right, guys. You too. All right. Bye-bye. We've got Jake Wimberly joining the podcast tonight. Jake is the voice of the Brandon Bulldogs. He's co-host of the Afternoon Drive, ESPN Radio 105.9, and also co-host of Friday Night Under the Lights, the high school football scoreboard show. So, uh, Jake, that's a mouthful, man. We appreciate to get some of your time, brother. Man, I'm glad to be here. It's it's always good to visit with you guys. Uh, I like what y'all are doing, Clay, and, of course, uh, you guys, Help us out with high school football. So, you know, they say it takes a uh, village to raise children, and that's what we're trying to do together. Absolutely. Let's get right to it, Jay. We got high school football started last week, kicked off. What jumped out at you, man, as you sit there and y'all roll through uh, scores and callers that come in the scoreboard show? What what kind of jumped off the page at you last Friday night? Well, I think the first thing is is the house, how dominant Starkville was, and I think everybody expected that to, to be the case. Um, in 6A, I mean, Stockton was going to be the, you know, top team in the state of Mississippi. Probably right there with Tupelo. We'll see what happens, uh, in the north half. But for one, you know, Stockton in, in 6A. And then, of course, when you look down through Lance, Mancuso continues to win. I believe he went down on the coast, uh, down the run. You guys got a big win over the weekend. Uh, the weather was a big deal, uh, over the weekend. And then, of course, Clinton went to, uh, South Panola and won on Thursday night. Um, I think we can officially say not that it can't come back to that Panola dynasty has uh, moved on, it's dead, and of course, you know, they'll, they'll try to resurrect that program. So a lot of interesting storylines, 
Uh, you know, Jackson Prep continues to roll what Ricky Black has done and continues to do right here on you know Lakeland Drive and Jackson. Uh, it's, it's nothing short of amazing. So a lot of uh, a lot of storylines, a lot of great uh, you know coaches and players and teams uh, that you could talk about in, in English to go after week one. And after week one, Jake, let's talk about the team that you follow each and every Friday night. The Brandon Bulldogs got a big win to get started. Yeah, they did. They really did. This was a you know a, a much needed win for Tyler Peterson and for the program. You know, on several levels. But when you look at it, Brandon Madison Central. Two of the big, you know, heavy hitters here in the Metro, they revived that rivalry. Started back in 1993, uh, played it to 2006, and then uh, it kind of went on a hiatus for a while. And then Bobby Hall and Brad Peterson got that, that game back going in 2013, and they continued as a season opener for both clubs. And it's been looked pretty much a one-possession, one-score game since 2013, and it didn't just point us what it was this past week. Um, Madison's going to have a really good defense. They continue to play good defense. They made Brandon struggle in you know, the first half. Brandon, though, really good defensively coming out the gate. They held Madison for the three first downs in that ball game, and they got that offense going. You know, Brandon's going to be you know one of these teams this year. They've got a, a you know quarterback in Will Rogers that is probably a D one guy. They got some guys that are for sure D one receivers, so they were able to throw it around the throw it around the lot in the second half. So able to escape. Um, you know, week one, fourteen to seven, it's about you know survive and win and advance, and that's what Brandon did. They go to South Panola this week. Yep, and you've already kind of talked about South Panola. Uh, talk to us, um, Jake, about the wide receiver. I believe it's Mingo, uh, your guy yeah. there. Um, what he projects out to be and what he is currently on Friday night. Wow, I tell you what, uh, Brandon, I've been fortunate to see some really good wide outs come through Brandon over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the Stowers brothers, there was a trio of them. They were really good. Uh, someone who played different sports in college, uh, from college football. Uh, Titus Ivory, the guy that came over Terry, he went on to play senior college football, and then, and then some others as well. But man, no, no kid has come through there uh, that looks and, and has the you know the game that Jonathan Mingo has. I remember him as a tenth grader, and, and when you first saw him, you thought this kid could be special. And then of course he grew another couple inches. And uh, I mean, this guy has had offers from everybody in the country, uh, from Georgia to Oregon. Mississippi State Ole Miss. I mean, he's he, he can go anywhere he wants to. He's committed to play at Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, he, he projects as, uh, you know, that outside, outside the half type receiver. He's, you know, 6'2", 185, 190. He'll probably grow into a, you know, 200, 205 pound body once he gets on a college game. But, man, this guy can do it all. And I know a lot of guys say that about receivers, but he really can do it all from, you know, high pointing the football down the field and out jumping the defensive back to catching a, you know, a tunnel or a bubble and, Taking it to the house and even blocking him, he's physical on the edge. So he's, you know, he's, he's good in the kick game, good in the return game, and, and uh, you know he'll be a special player at Ole Miss or wherever he ends up. But uh, yeah, definitely project out as uh, you know one of the top one or two wide receivers in the state. I think he's definitely worth that building. You know, he, he had a game the other night. He went for about one eighty on about seven eight catches, touchdowns. So that's about what you can expect for the weekend and week out from a guy like that. He, he definitely definitely has the pedigree, meets that billing as, as a uh, top line wide receiver. Jake, with a weapon like that, you've described Rodgers can get it out to him. I mean, I know you're close to the program, and maybe you see it uh, from a little different way that people would, other folks would see it. Brandon's in the hunt for a 6A title this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Are you asking me? Are, yeah, I'm are asking, they? yes. Yeah, no, that they are. They, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, look, you're looking at a team that's got, uh, you know, Division One talent on this team, like the Mingo. Jay Stanley, who transferred in from North Mississippi uh, in the Delta, 
He's a defensive back committed to Ole Miss. He's got a couple linebackers, uh, Kid named Soto and others that are you know, 63 guys. They're 215, 220. Those guys are, are uh, you know, probably uh, for sure college athletes. I'm not sure at what level yet. So, you know, the long and, and lengthy in the back in the back end of that defense, they got some guys offensive line. They returned four starters. You got a running back transferred in from Forest Hill uh, who had 130 yards this past week. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at Brandon, they're definitely a contender. Uh, you know, they got to get through the South. South's always rugged. I mean, you got to go play teams like Meridian and Oak Grove and Pedal. Uh, and then, of course, you know, when Brandon looked, we're down on the coast last year. You guys know it, lost mm-hmm. to Hancock in the first round. So the coast continues to get better in 6A. Um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a jumble field, but Brandon's definitely one of those teams that uh, should be right there, you would think, come playoff time. And look, we'll know that. We've got to go to Tupelo here in about three weeks. Tupelo, like I said, one of the best teams in the state. So uh, Brandon's going to get their oil checked over the next couple of weeks. You've got to go, you know, play at South Panola, host Clinton, go on the road to Tupelo, and then come back home and play a really good Northwest ranking team. So in the next month, you'll know a lot more about Brandon and where they set kind of at the sixth day hierarchy. Jake, when you look at the landscape of high school football for for the state, you're you're pretty well central there in Jackson, but you hear all the scores uh, come in each and every Friday night. I know you keep a close eye with some of the uh, postseason work y'all do with the different all-star games. I'm saying all that. Coach Hall made some comments on the way out of the coast about coast football and, and where it is, and you've kind of touched on it trying to get back. What is the perception around the state about coast football from uh, really about, I would say, I guess the Pine Belt South, what's the perception around the state? Well, I think it depends on the classification you talk about. Because, you know, we've, we've talked uh, at length with you guys about Picayune and about Poplarville, and we know those guys are heavy hitters. I mean, uh, I had an opportunity to call, you know, Poplarville State Championship game against Lafayette a couple years ago, I believe it was, but not of life. I mean, those are really good football teams. I know what Picayune's done. So, you know, look at the uh, I don't want to say smaller classifications, let's just call them that small and stick safer right now. I think the perception is really good. Um, if you look at the time down, there's definitely some, some, you know, the perception we know is really good. I mean, Cattle, Marcus Bowles, uh, Oak Road, everything they've done. I think, you know, people respect those programs and, you know, heavy hitters. Cattle's been to a state championship multiple times over the last few years. Oak Road has as well. I think where the rubber meets the road is six at, uh, just because Region three has dominated Region four for so long. I, you know, I read the comments Bobby Hall uh, put out last. It sounded kind of like a you know woman scorn. Uh, maybe like the situation down there didn't go well for him mm-hmm. uh, where he expected. So, and Bobby's Bobby's one. I, I, you know, I have the utmost respect for Coach Hall, uh, but he's one that he's never been known to um, bite his tongue, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, right. and so, so he's getting on his way out the door there. Uh, we've heard some candid comments coming about other things as well. So, but I think overall, the perception is is uh, one that's very high. But I think also anybody that knows anything about the situation on the coast understands, look, this thing just takes time. Even though Katrina was you know, 13 years ago, uh, it took a huge toll on, on schools and on families and on people um, you know, moving elsewhere. And it's just taken some time to... Uh, Build some of those six day programs back. Look, Yabba's got a really nice program. I mean, Billport's got a really nice program. And, and you know, St. Martin, uh, again, another really good program. Hancock as well. So, I mean, I think that these teams continue to build. And just on the six day level, it takes multiple players at multiple positions. And that's why you're seeing the, the six day teams um, probably come from behind a little bit, lack a little bit. They're just still trying to build that depth. And it just takes time to do it. 
I mean, just don't come back from an event like Katrina. And, and these schools are slowly making a return, but I would say the outlook overall is extremely positive. You mentioned a, a couple things I just want to go back to. Coach Lawler and the job, he's kind enough. He's joined us a couple times on the podcast. But the job that Coach Lawler did in his first year – and, and really, even the seeding and Brandon having to make the trip uh, that y'all made down to the coast, that still, to me, was an upset uh, last year for Hancock to win the way they did. Uh, just tell us kind of what you saw there, uh, Jake, and, and what Neil put together that first year last year. Well, that was my first trip down to Hancock ever. Uh, so not, not ever, but ever as far as a football game. And i tell you what, I was impressed by I had never been to the stadium, and of course, you know, you can feel the history there with the Brent Barnes, uh statue and everything that goes on there. And I tell you what, I, I knew when we walked in there that we were in for a long night because the fans were just there early. Uh, they were extremely excited, as they should have been, for that program. And you felt like, you know, you know how it is, you walk into some stadiums, you're like, the vibe is like, this is kind of going to be a rowdy bunch. You know, this is going to be a different place to play. And, and, and I knew that coming in there. And the way that game, I mean, the, the energy that Hancock played with, they, they totally outplayed Brandon, totally outclassed Brandon from, you know, energy to schematics and everything else. So uh, you kind of knew it early that if you didn't bring your A game, you were going to be in for uh, a long night and that's exactly what happened. Another program you mentioned earlier I just want to camp back out to is uh, what Coach Mancuso is doing there at Jeff Davis. You know, Popperville had them as a jamboree, one of these halves, Varsity half JV games. And I went back and watched the film just preparing for our first Popperville broadcast. And Popperville looked decent, but Jeff Davis just jumped off the film, then beat uh, Harrison Central to open the year. Speak to what you've seen him do there at Jeff, Jeff at the new Jeff Davis schools. I mean, they combined and have given uh, Coach Mancuso a monster to play with there. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's uh, funny you mentioned him because I was having lunch with a colleague today, and he, his name came up. And of course, we were talking about how dominant of a, of a football coach. Because we were talking about kind of the hierarchy of coaches in Mississippi in high school football, and. Of course, he's right there at the top when you talk about, you know, guys like Marcus Bowles and mm-hmm. Wentz Mancuso and, you know, a few more that's right in there, Bobby Hall and others that, that uh, really have been, you know, your dominant forces, but, you know, un- behind the headset or under the headset, so to speak, over the last 10 to 15 years. And what he did at Basketball is amazing. Now what he continues to be there. But look, it's not even going further. I mean, look at what he did with that Mississippi-Alabama team last year, uh, mm-hmm. a team that, I mean, I came out and said, hey, they, Mississippi didn't have a shot. When you look at you know the roster talent, you felt like Alabama had way more talent. Uh, he coached that team up and had them ready to play. It's just some of these guys know how to motivate and know how to you know not only uh, you know some guys are really good schematically X and O's, and then some guys are going to be motivators, and then they may not be good at the other. Lance Mancuso is you know a bona fide head football coach. He's a leader. He understands how to do it, and I am I believe he can win anywhere he went in the state. I, and, and we were also talking about that, too, that he hasn't landed a, a you know, big six-day program. But I think he's comfortable where he's at, and I think he likes where he's at. You know, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. He's comfortable where he's at. And, look, he, he can continue to win and rack up rings and rack up championships and build community. That's what it's all about, in, in, you know, in, in the end anyway. It's, you know, community development, building, and there's none better than what Lance brings down there in that part of the world. Yeah, they may not. I mean, they've got East Central scheduled uh, later in the year, and he plays a tough schedule because he wants to see exactly what he has uh, before he gets into his region and his playoff run. But 
I'm not sure if they'll get beat. Them and East Central will be a heck of a football game. I know that, but Jeff Davis just looks unreal, as you've talked about there. I know I'm bouncing all around, Jake, but I wanted to talk to you, man, about some recruiting. I know you keep a, a close eye on it. What are these, uh, the junior class and the senior class for the state, how does that pool of talent look, and how does it project out? Well, you can definitely go to the, the senior class first when you're talking about guys like Jonathan Mingo. You mentioned him with Brandon. Uh, you got John Ralph Finley down here at Oak Grove, Georgia. And when you can just go around the state, this is arguably the deepest class that Mr. Tad, even deeper than the A.J. Brown, uh, D.K. Metcalf, who some couple of years ago, uh, 2016. This is an unbelievably deep class. Most of the guys are committed already. I think they're making one not committed. And what we're seeing um, now is the early signing period is really making people hit the gas and recruiting. And that's not just in the state of Mississippi. That's around the country. Um, we felt like it would. A lot of people felt like it would when you get an early signing period in December. And, you know, schools aren't fooling around. They're trying to get kids in the boat, and the kids understand that the boats get full and you may get left out. So that's, I think that's why we're seeing you don't see nearly as many flips. I mean, you'll see a kid flip from one school to another. Uh, you'll see some holdouts to be five stars around the country that hold out until the national signing day and they want to do the, you know, the Under Armour announcement or they want to do the, you know, Army All-American announcement. That, that still happens, but uh, I think you're seeing more and more kids getting the boat, which is interesting because, like I said, there's only one or two kids in the state that are high-profile high talent that haven't committed. Now, as far as the, the junior class, there's some talent there. I think you'll see the state take, take a step back just a little bit, uh, but not much. I mean, you know, one of the things that we've seen is, Better development, better strength and conditioning programs, better, you know, better what we call training tables on the college level, but better diets. Uh, kids are more informed now. Families are more informed. Seven on seven camps. I mean, we're seeing more better talent now than we've ever seen in the state, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. We're visiting with Jake Wimberly. And Jake, Tell us where we can get some of this knowledge, man. I follow you on Twitter. You're a great follow there. And, and I've looked and, and kind of uh, gained some knowledge, too. Describe to me what, when I look at the hourglass, kind of tell our listeners what that is and where they can find more uh, from y'all. Yeah, it's CFB Hourglass. That's CFB Hourglass. C is in K, F is in Frank, Q is in gold. CFB Hourglass.com. It's a website I started uh, this year. Uh, I've had this, the the data out for a little over two years now. I've been working on it about three years behind the scenes. So basically what it is, is this play is if you've ever seen the movie Moneyball, the mm-hmm. baseball, uh, by the Oakland A's, it's college football Moneyball. It's basically football with numbers and full background information. I'm an engineer by trade. Uh, don't do engineering anymore in full-time multimedia sports. you got media. a great personality for an engineer, man. I work for a power <laughs> association, and you're about – you're about the most likable engineer I've run across all day long. I can say that. Well, I appreciate that. I, I'm a civil by trade, not electrical or mechanical. I wouldn't have ever credited that. Uh, but I do appreciate the kind words. But, you know, being an engineering guy and, and being a, a cash job, a math minor, you know, I've always been intrigued on math and what you can do with math. And then when I when I saw other people, uh, Dave Bartu with the College Football Matrix and some others several years ago doing some analytics, I thought, this is really cool. And, I, you know, everybody always loves to to pull the schedules out, regardless if it's high school or college or NFL, and do the picks. You know, my team's going to finish 8-5 and five or 7-4 and four or 10-0 and oh or 12-0, oh, whatever. So I said, what if we could come up with a system that you could project college football games, college football only because that's where I, you know, we love the high school game, but on my show, we talk high school, but we talk a ton of college. So mm-hmm. 
what if we could live in that space and project college football? So I said, what's the most important criteria uh, for a college team to win? So obviously it's talent. I mean, it, it is the old saying, X's and O's, no's, Jimmy's and Joe's. Jimmy's and Joe's win. So the talent matters. So what we did is we created a talent metric. Um, I use, you know, 247sports.com composites because I feel like they're the best. Uh, when you look at what, you know, now they're partnering with Scout, they've got Scout. So it's got a ton of information that runs through that that system. So a lot of people like to use four-year recruiting averages. So you take the four-year recruiting averages, and here's a, here's a stat for you. Since 1998, the average four-year recruiting ranking for the national champion in college football is 6.5. That means if you take all the champions since 1998 all the way through BCS for college football playoffs, their average four-year recruiting ranking is 6.5. The average loser is 10. So the runner-up is 10. So that means you've got to be around mm. an 8.5. Now, we've seen some outliers in there in Newton year. Auburn, I think, was the recruiter four-year average around 17. Clemson made it at, like, 13. So, you know, we've seen uh, Virginia Tech back in the early days of recruiting. They were in the mid-20s, but they had Michael Vick. So right. Ta- talent really matters. That's the one thing. The second thing is quarterback play. Returning quarterback play matters. I don't believe it. Just look down through the years. Jameis Winston, uh, Cam Newton. We got uh, enough LSU do- fans around here, Jay. We don't have to look far for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> so quarterback play matters, and then not before you this, then you got to look at a coaching deal. We look at the three-year coaching metrics. So we take all of those deals. We take the coaching and the quarterback play, and we take the talent, and we combine them, and it gives us a stamp, what we call a stamp to uh, – you know, put on a team, Alabama has a number. Every team in college football, we apply a number, and then we can take those numbers. We can develop power rankings. We can develop, you know, uh, head-to-head matchups who could potentially win. We can develop Vegas spreads off of it. And, uh, you know, last year, we had our trade-up out of 500-something games. We hit 83%. Crazy. We were 64% against the spread, uh, which is which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. That was a lot, a lot of that. It, Look, if you go 52% against the spread, that, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing with it. It's, it's, it's a different approach, uh, looking at football through analytics, looking at football through uh, coaching. And, you know, we even go deeper than that. We go into uh, offensive and defensive scoring efficiencies and all of the, 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 the greasy numbers in there. It's just it's just a different way to look at football. Well, Jake, if, if – this go if this is going well for you, it has for us. We'd like to have you on in a couple of weeks and maybe run down what you have for Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and USM using that matrix and kind of walk sure. us through those. And I think our listeners would benefit from that and just helping you spread the word. I hope uh, because this is great knowledge. And if something changes um, there, I know, I know like LSU's quarterback situation. I actually you know saw on Twitter that. You, you changed that matrix, or it was Ohio State's uh, situation with the coaching situation. So as those change, following you on Twitter is a good follow because you can kind of see how that either hurts a team or helps a team. Yeah, man, I, anytime. I'd be glad to come on and talk about it. Uh, you know, one of the beauties of this that we take pride in is that we do these metrics way in advance. We do them uh, and release everything in April, May, and June. You know, you know April, May, and June. So it, it kind of defines logic. A lot of other coaches have kind of taken some shots at it and said, hey, how can you project football games before spring practice in two days? Well, you really can do it, and it really does matter. Um, numbers really matter. Well, Jay, we certainly appreciate you tonight, man, your time. And we look forward to hopefully having you on again, man. And uh, if you would, just give our, our listeners one more time. What was that Twitter handle, Jake, for you? Yeah, it's just, it's just at Jake Wim, J-A-K-E-W-I-M. You can get me on Twitter. 
Thank you, Jake, for your time, brother. Hey, man, anytime. Look forward to it. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode, brought to you by Katie Cake and Company, Pearl River Community College, Robertson Brothers Used Cars, and Advantage Insurance Company. Stay tuned for more episodes in the weeks to come.